You're listening to Trek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome everyone to Trek FM's local watering hole. Now I want to apologize to you right away because this podcast is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be podcasting as if people are actually listening to us. How about how about we do that tonight, Daniel? Uh, well, I think we should actually ask the audience and see what they have to say. You like that idea? Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. That's great. Well, this is going to be, I think, a, a lot of fun. Um, we're here together to talk a little Deadpool because that movie just came out. And if you've seen it, which I hope you have, if you're listening to this podcast, we we will spoil this movie rotten. You'll notice that uh, he talks to the audience quite a bit as he does in the comics. So uh, we figured we'd have a little fun tonight. Uh, but before we get into that serious amount of fun... I want to remind everybody that the 602 Club, it's part of the Trek FM network. And, of course, you can find all the shows at iTunes.com slash Trek FM where we are a featured provider. You can also find us on Twitter at Trek FM. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. We have the listeners-only discussion group, the Babel Conference, where all the listeners come and get to talk about all of our different shows and everything that's going on in the world of geekdom because of the 602 Club. Just type Babel in the search field on Facebook, or you can go to any of the show pages on our website and click Discussion on the menu bar. And then, of course, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to us here at the 602 Club. Go to trek.fm slash contact. Choose the show. Choose the 602 Club. It'll come straight to us. I'd love to hear from you, your ideas, your thoughts about what we're talking about, and maybe what you'd like to hear us talk about, maybe a movie or a TV show or something we haven't covered yet. And then, of course, we've got the voicemail. You can look in the sidebar in any show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and I really enjoy getting voicemails, and sometimes, if you're lucky, they show up on the show. So uh, be sure to send one of those in, and you might just hear yourself on the 602 Club. Right, audience? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Awesome. Well, okay, Daniel, this is, I think, kind of a unique superhero movie. I, I think we all knew going into this that it was going to be a different kind of quote-unquote superhero. I, You know, he's not quite a superhero anyway. He, he's more of like... Between a supervillain and a anti-hero, he kind of flirts with that. And, you know, it's not the first time that we've, you know, had, obviously, R-rated movies that are made from comics. Uh, so I wanted to talk about that for just a second before we actually jump into this. What have been some of your favorite movies um, that have been made from comics that are actually also R-rated? Were, were there any that stand out to you that you thought, okay, this this, this was really well done? Well, what immediately pops into my head from that question are the two kick-ass films, uh, which, for all intents and purposes, are pretty kick-ass, uh, pretty great movies. I love those those films. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, of course, you know, we can think of Watchmen, right? Watchmen was also R, I believe. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's not that it was the first R comic book movie, but it's the, the first of that... Uh, of the same vein of comic movies where like the Marvel uh, films and obviously more closely related, the Fox X-Men films um, where it is, uh, you know, things like Watchmen and Kick-Ass are actually meant to be serious deconstructions of what comic books are. Whereas Deadpool is almost borders on parody uh, instead so it's it's it is something slightly new but it, of course yes we have seen r-rated uh, comics before yeah I, I, that's a great point you know this is really kind of the first one that's in the main line of one of the major comic um you know you've got films like that sin city that kind of stuff where these are comics who were specifically marketed and made for adults you know um basically not 18 to you know 23 year old boys uh, which is, I, I think, really, Deadpool is 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 made kind of for that audience, you know, to just really get at that. I really think that specific uh, drive of boys who love shoot 'em up games, 
and uh, you know, they kind of like senseless violence and smartassy characters. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't disagree with that. That makes sense. He he's he's a super interesting character to do a movie about, though, because he. Well, mostly because of the fourth wall stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but it is really, to me, it's really just cool to put him in that universe because this is what is kind of a unique opportunity. Whereas, you know, like you mentioned, we have things like 300 or Watchmen, uh, which is which are their own separate things. But he actually gets to play around and acknowledge things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Well, and I think that was one of my biggest surprises in the film was the fact that it is in the connected universe of the Fox Marvel films. I had no idea that they were going to going in. Uh, I had stayed pretty spoiler free and I didn't know that they would be connecting this with their other franchises. Mainly, obviously uh, as we've talked about on the show, the fantastic four have been a disaster for Fox, but the X-Men have not. (laughs) And for the most part, I mean, they've had some stinkers in there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, X-Men Wolverine. X3. Uh, sorry, I had to sneeze there. Sorry, folks. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but goodness, the, (laughs) the, the fact that they're connecting this with, uh, you're more quote unquote family friendly, you know, PG 13 films. Is really interesting to me. I mean, I know that he is in the comics, but you know, when there's that hard R there, that really does create a divide. I think for you know the movie going audience and like who can get into this movie and who can see it. And so, I think they smartly loosely connect it, but not enough to where like if a kid can't see it right now or you can't take your kid to it, they're not missing anything detrimental to especially the X franchise. Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like it, it works really well because the X fan franchise itself is kind of loosely connected yeah. to itself. You know, we just had the, the soft reset that was days of future past and which there are a few jokes, you know, like, Oh, I don't even know what yes. timeline we're on right now and, and that kind of stuff. And, and so it, it really works for this film because it is definitely established in that quote-unquote universe but it's not something as strict uh, or as clear-cut as like the marvel universe where he has to play within those rules like we've never we've seen colossus in the x-men universe we've never seen this colossus and uh which reminds me by the way i think my favorite joke in the entire entire movie was when he uh he says oh it's almost like the producers yes. couldn't afford another x-men <laughs> i never see i only see two of you around this giant it's like house. you're alone in that <laughs> giant house yes that was awesome. Well, <laughs> and not only that, but I mean, okay, obviously we're spoiling this movie, but at the end of the film, they're having a battle on a helicarrier that isn't finished, which is straight out of the other Marvel films. So, uh, you know, there are some interesting references to the Marvel franchise in general, not just what Fox owns. So that's a that's to me I, like the fact that they're having a battle on an unfinished helicarrier that looks like it's been sitting there for years after Shield has collapsed. I was like, huh, that's something that I don't know if everybody would get, but that's pretty interesting. Very sly, well done, filmmakers. And you know, he, he straight up name uh, drops. Uh, yes, Samuel he does. In the, in yes, the- he does. <laughs> so it, it would actually be really interesting. You know, when you were talking about this idea that he's connected to the Fox universe and how maybe there's a little bit of a tonal conflict. What I was thinking was, uh, wouldn't it be cool if if they played him at this kind of loose canon kind of he can just show up everywhere like he he can he can pop into the X-Men movies for a cameo or even something like Spider-Man or maybe even, you know, not that this would really happen, but we can hope and dream. Like, imagine if he did pop into the into the MCU for whatever movie, just as a cameo or as a, something in the background, uh, just because he he is something new and unique, and because he he has this um, fourth wall breakability to him that you know he doesn't have to 
he can exist in his own mini universe inside of these large. Maybe universes. he's like a mini pocket universe that just intersects with all the other universes, you know. So like he, it's just exactly. it's just kind of like a bubble that's around him, <laughs> so he can just exist in any of them he wants to. But then he also has his own universe. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. Like so, say like, you know, not that I I'm wishing this would ever happen, and maybe. If we're lucky, it will never will. But but when the time comes that uh, Stan Lee leaves us, maybe uh, Deadpool can be the cameo character for all of the Marvel films. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, that's (laughs) the idea of him just having his own pocket universe makes sense, too, because, I mean, like he is probably the most narcissistic character of all of the (laughs) Marvel characters anyway. So him living in his own little world just makes sense. (laughs) And it actually does manifest around him. That's one of his mutant powers. (laughs) (laughs) We just, yeah, we're never told that outright. Uh, Well, kind of thinking about this being a different type of, of quote unquote superhero movie and the fact that we are kind of connected, you know, how does, the premise then kind of work for you. Um, and I think the, the bigger question that I was thinking of to myself is, is this really new? Is this, because everybody's talking about, oh, how fresh Deadpool is and all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, is it really new? So I'm, I'm really wondering what you thought about that. Again, it's, in some ways it is, in some ways it's not. Like we talked about, we've already seen R-rated X. Uh, excuse me, not X-Men films. Uh, that well, uh, you know, you slip. you you actually might get that. I was just reading online today that the new Wolverine movie may be R-rated, but I'm pretty sure it'll be for yeah. violence. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that that would make sense. Although, I mean, if they're going for R-rating, I guess at that point, whatever. But uh, and also, the, uh, I saw some reports that. Uh, they're going to put him in the X-Force movie, of course, which would make sense. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. And then make that R as well, which would be interesting. It To me, I would like to see an R-rated Wolverine movie only because Wolverine is supposed to, you know, he's got berserker rage mode and cutting people up and it just doesn't really have an effect when it's a PG. Well, and that is what they kind of wanted to do with the last Wolverine movie, but the studio was trepidatious, obviously, about an R-rated movie uh, with Wolverine and and really going that far with the character. And yet, like you said, it it kind of makes sense to basically make a Wolverine film, especially since this next one will be the last one that is done with the amazing Hugh Jackman. Uh, And as anybody who's listened to this show, when we talk about Pan, where I'm a Huey, I love Hugh Jackman. Uh, So yeah, that's our fan name. I made it up. So (laughs) we have meetings. Uh, but uh, Alice comes to him. Do you, Megan comes. Do you wear the mask? I do. I do. Uh, do I, 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 yes, mask? I don't staple it to my head though. So, um, but I think him going out with basically a three hundred style movie, you know, that has that kind of violence in it, makes sense, you know. Uh, and I personally, I can watch that kind of comic violence more than I can a lot of gratuitous nudity. I I really don't enjoy a lot of gratuitous nudity. Uh that's just for me personally. It it, it I don't need it in a film. Um but you know, comic book violence, it's it's fake. I mean, we all know it's fake. Uh nudity's right. not fake. Somebody's actually naked on screen. So, um yeah, I could really I could really see that. The 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 thing that I was thinking about this movie about what I didn't think made it new was it just felt like one of those R-rated comedies that you see out there, like a 21 Jump Street or something like that, but with superheroes laid on it, and probably less meaning to it. You know, like, uh, take a Judd Apto film, rated R, very crass, you know, all of those things, but there's always some kind of underlying message in one of those movies. Like, here, I didn't... I I'm always looking for the message. And there isn't one in this movie. I mean, there there isn't. Oh, come on. Colossus gives the entire point. Well, uh, he, he does, but he still shoots the guy in the head. So I mean, it's like and then we all <laughs> supposed to laugh at it. So you know, the movie I come away with, I, I this is where I didn't feel like it was anything new because it is those kind of very it's crassness for crassness' sake, violence for violence' sake, 
but there's no actual point in the movie, and so I basically came away empty in the end. Uh, and, and and so nothing felt new to me. I was like, I've seen this in other films before, or, and I've seen, you know, th- these kind of jokes in other films before. I mean, Trainwreck or any of those kind of movies, and yet, again, there's there's no underlying like something sort of redeeming in there. It's just it. it I don't know. I just felt empty, and I didn't feel like it was new or revolutionary. It just kind of felt um, like it was there, and then it's gone, and I'm not quite sure if I'm glad I saw it, or I don't know. That's what I'm really struggling with this movie and about that question. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I I think plot-wise, there's nothing new going on here, specifically. It is actually kind of, the the plot is almost, uh, maybe intentionally generic, and kind of... (laughs) And simplistic, you know, uh, so it's not, you're, I, I think, yeah, expecting to get some sort of message or, or something else like that out of, out of the movie, I don't want to say is missing the point because I don't think that's the case, but I just don't think that's what this movie is going for. It's, it's, it, it's generic in how it was constructed, probably intentionally, uh, because it is, it, it is so familiar to people who like comic book movies, this, this, oh, you know, was created by the bad guy and has got to save his girlfriend and then blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's, I guess it's like one of those movies. It's more about the journey than the destination. Uh, so it's not really, and I get what you're saying. I actually don't even disagree with you there. It's, it works 50 to 75% of the time for me. Uh, it doesn't hit a home run in every situation, but I I do feel like it was supposed to be a complete deconstruction of this of the modern day comic book movie of everything that we've been seeing for the past almost 10 right. years right. since since Spider-Man essentially. Yeah, no, I I think you're right in that sense. I I think what and and maybe I spoiled myself because I just recently bought Watchmen and watched it again um because I was kind of thinking about, you know, Zack Snyder creating uh, Superman and uh, with Man of Steel, and he had talked about how it was so interesting that he had done the deconstruction of everything superhero and then gone back and done a film about the original superhero. And so kind of just kind of thinking that. And I think that I kind of spoiled myself because I think Watchmen in general, obviously the comic, was a brilliant deconstruction of all of these superhero tropes and and all of the the talk about you know how they would actually be in our world and and so much that plays into i think the DC universe right now and the questions that they're asking with their heroes on their shows but also uh, very big in the films you know superman's on trial batman being against it, you know all this stuff but watchmen has such a wonderful point to it you know because it really is trying to say something you know it it has a a a massive overall thematic structure to it you know the way that it's taking into account all of these comic book tropes and characters and putting them all together and and seeing you know what happens when you kind of really try to fit that into a real world scenario and you know this film it it's i think you you kind of mentioned it earlier and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head this movie is a parody of a parody, you know. It 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 and but the but the you know, I think of like good satire, you know, like you're watching a Saturday Night Live skit and it's it's super funny and and it, it has a great point because it, it it's making you think about something in a in a funny and interesting way. But this movie is not doing anything interesting, and it's funny, but that's it. And that's what I was kind of missing. I was like, I was hoping that they would be a little bit more clever with where they were going with their deconstruction, since that's kind of, you know, that that's what Deadpool is, like you said. He's this mockery of everything we think of as superhero. But take that somewhere. Do something with that. Yeah, it's it's more of a parody than a satire. It's 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 just poking fun for poking fun's sake instead of trying to poke fun of something and then also show you why this is a ridiculous idea uh you know comparing it to watchmen is not where i would expect right. to go and <laughs> i certainly you know I, I certainly wouldn't defend this film against uh or or i should 
even the idea of Deadpool against Watchmen because it's a very different concept. Um, one thing that I will say that at least in the film here, um, because it is satire, but it's so it's fun. It's it's fun for fun's sake. Something that is isn't present in Watchmen, which I, I'm just saying because to find one point right, of defense right. and. Obviously, yeah. You're, you're, if you want a brilliant deconstruction of what was going on in comics at the time, then you can read the the Watchmen comic and then you watch the movie too. Arguably, um, but yeah, I just I agree with you. It, it it isn't satire. It's not clever satire. It's just parody. It's just hey, here's what you're used to seeing. Here's us making fun of it, and that's it. And and there is no more. It is shallow in that way for sure. It's more. It's more Austin Powers than it is Watchmen. You know, that's really where this movie falls for me. It is an Austin Powers type of parody where everything is over the top, utterly ridiculous, and there really is no point to the film other than just trying to make you laugh. And that's not always a bad thing. You know, it really is. We've been talking through all of this, and I want to say here, I really do enjoy movies where I go in like a— you know, a goofy Will Ferrell movie like uh, Talladega Nights or something ridiculous where it's just I, I'm just there to laugh um, and and have a good time. There's there's nothing wrong with that. For me, I guess. Um, I, I guess I kind of expect more from any kind of superhero movie or comic book movie just because in general, you know, comic book movies are always more about something, and that's just not what this film, I think, is trying to be at all. And maybe that's probably just where I disconnected from it. I will uh, state just for the record that I absolutely love the Austin Powers films. Yes, yes, and, uh, I do too. Yeah, and just like you said, there's no, there's nothing wrong with those movies just for those movies' sake. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, if you're going into it expecting brilliance or great writing or anything like that, it's it's not going to deliver on those. It's just not. It's just not that film. And maybe it's it can build for that. Maybe Deadpool two might actually have something interesting to say. Maybe uh, they missed the mark here. Or they're just establishing it or whatever. I'm not sure. I, I I don't know if there's this great grand kind of idea. But um, th- yeah, I would agree that it's kind of a it's got a it's kind of a shallow thing. But I still at least I still had a good time. Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit it on the head. You're, you're, we're definitely in the kiddie pool of like humor and 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 you know, uh, even just parody. It's it's literally low bar. It, it it's not reaching for anything higher. Um, I do think you know, kind of thinking about the cast in this film. Obviously, you couldn't make this movie, I don't think, without Ryan Reynolds because like it, nobody else has that. Super smart ass down. I mean, he just, it, he's, I don't know, he's perfect as this type of character. He does it so well and he makes it seem so effortless. And I almost feel like, you know, Ryan Reynolds kind of seems like a nice guy in real life, but I also feel like he probably is just, can, can pull off the Deadpool anytime. Like he, he could, he could be that person all day if he wanted to be. <laughs> Yeah, he, he. You know, it's funny. But we were just talking about uh, Iron Man a little bit, and I, I feel like Iron uh, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, right? He he has so he's so established in that role and kind of is perfect for it that you know you can't imagine anybody else. And Ryan Reynolds, to me, well, I was never convinced he was going to be a good Green Lantern. I was, I was never never thinking that he, uh, you know. Even in, uh, please don't make the suit green, or animated, <laughs> or animated. <laughs> I love it too. And then there was another line too where he actually mentions Ryan Reynolds by name. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, he, he, this is the role he was born to play. I, I'm actually a, a big Ryan Reynolds fan. Oh, I am as well. And uh, so I'm I'm glad to see him fit a role so perfectly. And if and you can tell he's having fun, and that's half of what makes you like the character at all, is that he's just going off and having a good time. 
I, one of my one of my favorite movies to to just sit down and watch because it is so funny and it has Ryan Reynolds in it is the proposal with Sandra Bullock and his reactions to her are just phenomenal. Like he is just ah uh, the way that he talks to her and and the just disgust and disdain he has for the frustrations of the narcissistic character that she is is hysterical. Yeah, he is so good at this role and. You know, you really, this role needs somebody like him who's behind the role 150%, you know, and is, is like you said, having a great time doing it, you know, and has such a passion for the project that it gets made even when nobody thought it was going to get made, you know, a few years ago. So um, I think they really benefited from having a guy that people want to like. You know, there's the great commercial that was during the Super Bowl. There were barely any good commercials this year. But the one where it was Ryan Reynoldsville, where everybody is Ryan Reynolds, all the men are Ryan Reynolds, was hysterical because I'm pretty sure women would just love to live in a world where men looked more like Ryan Reynolds than they do me. Anyway, um, that's a whole other story. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So Morena Barsian... um, She's playing Vanessa in the film, his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, she's been in so many things. You know, Firefly, she's in Gotham right now. Uh, she's kind of like the goatee geek girl, I think, like geek woman that's beautiful and kind of exotic. But what did you think of, of her in this film? Did did you kind of buy her in this role and did she pull it off for you? Yeah, I mean, not a, she doesn't get a lot to do other than damsel in distress kind of stuff i mean i bought i guess the most important thing was that i bought her and and ryan reynolds chemistry they they seem to fit pretty well together uh as a character i was take it or leave it on on you know because she's only played in response to to him and that's that's the only reason that she exists but so i mean she did a good job and i i bought the scenes that she was in i just wasn't particularly impressed with how the character was written. Yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed that there wasn't uh, more for her to do. Like you said, she's very kind of damsel and distress-ish. Um, you know, she's needing to be rescued. Um, you know, she does stab the bad guy at the end, which is nice. But, yeah, there's really not a lot for her to do other than pretend to have sex with Ryan Reynolds and be naked and... need to be rescued and that's not i just that's not progressive role for a woman in a in a superhero in fact i thought that gina carano who played angel dust the big you know like just super strong woman like i feel like she had a better role in this movie she was funnier uh she was uh, the the fight she had with colossus was hysterical (laughs) i thought uh you know um the way that uh, she takes advantage of him being a gentleman <laughs> was just brilliant. Uh, and I, I just, I thought she was better for women everywhere uh, is that role than, than the role that we had our main female lead, which was so, again, as we talked about, the, the writing for her is very generic and it's it's kind of uninspired to me. Yeah, I would so. agree with that. And I mean, I was definitely more drawn to her character as, as well as teenage Negasonic Sonic Boom. I can't. I can never remember her. Uh, yeah. Sonic Teenage Warhead. Yes. <laughs> oh, what are you gonna give me? Silence or smart comeback? Oh, Death Stare. Nice that is one. the coolest nickname <laughs> ever. Can we trade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Um. Yeah. And I agree with you. She ended up being, again, a more enjoyable and likable character to kind of watch and uh, watch her relationship kind of unfold with Deadpool than anything I really felt with with the Vanessa character. Um, What did you end up thinking of, you know, Ed Skirin playing uh, Francis and and Alex? Uh, To me, I don't know. Villains really, for the most part, aren't strong a strong suit of Marvel. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's it's a big eh. Uh, I, I do. I, I will admit that I love the opening credits of this movie uh, when they actually replace you know actors' names and character names with descriptions. So 
Uh, he was yes, uh, lovingly yes. described, I believe, as the the British bad guy. I think is what uh, is what it was. <laughs> yes, the British bad guy, <laughs> and that's exactly you know that's exactly what he was. He was the stereotypical kind of uh, torturing, kind of evil, super villain kind of guy, and that was it. That that was his one character beat, and that's what he played it. Yeah, it's it's just so prosaic for a, a comic book film, and honestly, I think. You know, Marvel, when I think about their films on a whole, if the the best villains, well, I would say their best villain probably came from the worst movie, and that was Loki. And Loki is a fantastic villain, and of course he's in uh, Avengers, so that helps. But, you know, on a whole, they're just, uh, Marvel lacks the really strong villains, you know, I mean, <sighs> there's no Joker, really. In, in Marvel, there's there's no Lex Luthor, there's no there's none of those characters that are just as iconic as their hero. I feel like well, sir, and especially not we're now we're getting down to third tier characters, you know, quote unquote. And you're never gonna you're I mean, who is this guy? You're never gonna come up with somebody who's as memorable as the character that they're playing against. So I I just think that. Maybe they're just going with that. Like they didn't try to write him in any interesting way. It was we don't know anything about the guy. We know that he likes to create uh, mutants and sell them off to the military, and that's it. But we only know that he's a bad guy and doesn't like to be called Francis and wants to be named after you know a, a dish soap, and and that's all we know about him. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the powder that cleans your toilet. That's what he wants to be named after. Way to go, dude. Uh, yeah, maybe you should uh, rethink uh, that naming idea. This is why, as I learned on Flash the other night, this is why the bad guys don't name themselves. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, so, uh, or an arrow the other night when Felicity's like, the calculator? This is why the bad guys don't name themselves. Uh, so, what did you think of uh, Stefan, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but playing Co uh, Colossus, just that character. <laughs> yeah, so... It's funny. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite, he's Colossus is one of my favorite X-Men. Um, I love the Colossus character, and I thought this guy, obviously it was CGI. All was, I was a little miffed that he never got decolossified. I mean, even when he was, quote-unquote, in the X-Mansion, just eating breakfast, I'm like, uh, wh why is, is he just hulking out right now? He doesn't need to do this. Budget. It's weird. It's, that you, it's weird now that we've come to a point where it's cheaper, that he's a CGI character, then he would just be an actor sitting there eating cereal. <laughs> nope, because then you'd want to see him metamorphize, yeah. and and that costs a lot more money than just having a purely CGI character that looks yeah, very right. CGI-ish. And he does. He does look very cgi -ish. But I did like the characterization. Um, I liked the lines that he got. Like you mentioned, one of the great beats in the movie is when he's fighting angel dust and uh she becomes exposed she she pulls a janet jackson i think is what happens um oh yeah yeah there was a yeah. wardrobe malfunction <laughs> and, uh, and you know he's he he's does a very colossus thing and stand, and he's like no 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 I'll, you know <laughs> cover yourself and and uh, i really like that that beat as well as the speech he gave i really like the speech he gave to deadpool and it was the swelling music, and you're about to get the moral of the story, and it makes. And then he he pukes metal puke all over the place after Deadpool yes. ends up shooting the bad guy. Anyways. Yeah, that that was he is. I think you know next to Ryan Reynolds and and you know being Deadpool and the way that he delivers his lines. I felt like the Colossus character was my favorite part of the film. Just his. His utter Boy Scout goodness was was just fantastic, you know, and goes right along with the the Jiminy Cricket of the, this film, trying to be the conscience for somebody who doesn't have one anymore. So, um, I love I really that he's constantly that. trying to recruit him for the X Men as well, and uh, you know, he's he's like, no, no, I, yes. I don't want to join your boy band. It's not boy band. <laughs> it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. He's like, oh, so I can wear yellow and blue spandex? I don't think so. Um, well, we talked a little bit, and we alluded to, obviously, that Deadpool is famous in the comics, and obviously with his film, for knowing that he's a comic book character. 
and speaking directly to the audience as we are doing right now to you audience how's it going um oh oh okay hey ruby can you get some more drinks they're thirsty um but uh i i thought that that in this movie it's one of the things that does work the best the way that ryan reynolds is talking to the camera i mean specifically like when Colossus is like, what did you say? He's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. You know, uh, that was, that's great. And I think it, that is the one thing that if there's anything that feels minutely fresh, that's the one thing to me that I think they pulled off and it, it worked exactly the way they wanted to. And it had that air of, of, a fun freshness to it that I feel like they were trying to get with this film that maybe didn't work in a lot of the other ways. And I actually don't think we should downplay that accomplishment. That is not an easy thing to do. Uh, If you're going to give a wink and a nod to the audience and to the, and to a camera, let alone completely acknowledge that they're there throughout the entire film, you can definitely easily go overboard and, and it just kind of take over everything. But it was, it's put, throughout just enough where where it's it's there's every bit of it is clever every time the joke comes up it's still fun you don't get sick of it but then you're you're kind of always reminded that this is deadpool's quote-unquote shtick this is this is what he does and i think one of my favorite uh examples was when he went fourth wall within his fourth wall and he decided that it was uh the 16th wall i think is what he said yeah, <laughs> that was really nice. Well, and it's it's kind of a fun idea that there is no fourth wall. You know that the the whole thing is 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 played as if you're part of the story as the audience. You know, and that is that is an enjoyable thing to to make the audience part of the story. And you know, I think part of that kind of helps sometimes. And, on a whole, no, but sometimes it helps cover up the blandness of the rest of the story, the actual story, the fact that you've seen all this before and, and everything, because as he's winking at you, it makes you forget, oh, but this is the lamest villain, and there's actually really nothing happening in this story that's all that, like, different than anything I've seen before, you know, so, but like you said, that's a great accomplishment, because they make you forget about that sometimes, and it, it especially as you're watching the movie you know when you sit back and think about it when you're at home you'll be like oh yeah there, there's there's really nothing remarkable about this film but as you're watching it this trick does its trick yeah and and i think part of the credit goes to well a good chunk of the credit goes to like we already mentioned uh ryan reynolds who uh sorry it's my his name completely slipped my mind there um ryan reynolds who were you thinking about his yeah. face? That's what you it was. You were thinking about <laughs> his face. Topographical map map of Utah, I think, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's he does. He's so enthusiastic and so charming in those parts. And I also, I think this is probably as a good a time as any to mention this. Um, the animation, the uh, expressiveness of the suit that they managed to pull off, I think pretty much with just the CGI eyes, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it was all practical effects other than that, uh, was really impressive for me. Um, he, it really helped sell the fact that he was kind of expressing, or, you know, he was kind of expressing himself through this mask. And in a way that we, of course, have never seen, because you most of the time you just get this static kind of thing over their face, like, you know, like Iron Man, for example. You know, he doesn't get to wink at people through his his metal face, but it's really fun to see kind of all the expressions that, that he gets to perform through his mask. Well, I think part of that is the vocal expressiveness that Ryan Reynolds does have. I mean, he's so good at telling you what he's feeling and thinking through just the way he says something, and that translates through the movement you get in the mask or what he's doing with the rest of his body or any of those things and so again i really feel like this movie works if it does work on any level it is because of ryan reynolds and everything flows from him and so really it's it's a testament i think to how good he is and the the way that he's able to make like we talked about this 
gimmick of the fourth wall idea and breaking it, uh, making that work. All of these things are all resting on his shoulders and pretty comfortably. I mean, you, you don't feel like he's ever straining or anything in that sense is is not working. And so that's a real testament to him as an actor. And I think probably the highest form of, uh, the highest bit of praise I can give to the film is just his performance and everything that he And, you does. know, I will say, too, that his his interaction with Colossus and uh, Teenage Sourhead um, is, it makes me excited for the idea of, like, uh, a Deadpool and Cable movie or uh, maybe he'll cross over with Wolverine at some point. The idea, what I do like about what the film does to with the limited interact. Interactivity that they all have uh, is the potential for him to call out other characters, you know, right in front of their face to the audience. You know, like you mentioned that one scene where he's like, "I'm not talking to you, Colossus," <laughs> and you know, and then he just ignores that, of course, because that's that's how it goes. But it would be awesome, you know, if oh, one of the other good bits uh, from the movie is when they mention Professor Hex. And he, he says, yes. oh, really? Stuart or McAvoy? <laughs> oh, man, I loved it. I loved it. Yes, yes. So it would be that fun was to awesome. see him interact with like, a Professor awesome. X and then like call him out on his nonsense right in front of him to the audience and then just kind of keep going with the story. Like I, I, I would, My mind was filled with all those different possibilities of how fun that might be. Anything else for you just kind of thinking through the movie that uh, stood out for you that you liked or maybe um, didn't work? as well as you think they they hoped it would um well the action's fun for the most part i think um the opening and closing credits as well as the post credits sequence are all fantastic really fantastic although before the climax of the film this it kind of slows down quite a bit um and there are a few character beats that don't work for me um i like the idea of his elderly blind roommate but a lot of those jokes kind of fell flat for me um mm, i like that contrast the idea of that contrast that he could only live with somebody who could never see him uh just i don't know sometimes they well not sometimes i'll say 80 percent of the time the jokes are low-hanging fruit it's it's not particularly clever and it's sometimes it's pretty juvenile um but there's a, there's a, there's a gem or two every ten minutes. You're gonna have a good time with that, and if you don't mind the silly humor sometimes, you know, just turn off your brain and enjoy it. You know, the thing that I will say that I think works the best in this film, next to Ryan Reynolds, is the way that they use music. It's the same way that they used music with the Iron Man films, and you know, it became you know, ACDC was the sound. You know, that kind of uh, very eclectic style that they have here, though, with, you know, starting with yep. Angel of the Morning uh, and uh, moving on to, to rap or hip hop or all these other things throughout the film to accentuate these different moments, I thought was really well done. And that's not easy to do to make music as important as everything else that's happening in the film and actually do it really well. I thought that was really nice there for the filmmakers uh, to pick the, the exact right song, exact right time to really pump up whatever scene they were in or really, you know, at the beginning of the movie when it's Angel in the, Mor uh, Angel in the Morning and there's this massive, you know, this yeah. thing that you're floating around and it's that, that action scene that we've all seen as... The car's flipping over, and it's they're they're showing it through all these different angles, and that is perfect. That is the perfect way to open this movie, and probably one of the funniest things in the movie. Um, on the other side, you know, for me, the uh, like you said, a lot of the jokes are very very juvenile. I mean, it, it, to me, it felt like the writers of Family Guy had a field day here <laughs> yeah. or something because I don't. Family Guy is really badly written, if you ask me, because none of the jokes are very funny, and they're all easy to make. Like, uh, and I, I don't know. You know, for my, for me personally, sex jokes aren't hard to make because any twelve-year-old boy can make them, and so there's a lot of that kind of humor in here, and it just, it's not. Come on, you know, think harder. 
when you're writing jokes for a movie like this. Don't don't go so just don't go for the low hanging fruit, guys. Um, you know, raise the bar a little bit and try something funnier. And then there's there's a scene where they go to a strip club and there's more nudity than needs to actually be in this movie. And that just kind of bothered me. I'm like, I I know you guys have a rate rating of R, but there's really not a need for this. You know, uh, we go to plenty of strip clubs and movies where they keep the girls covered enough that it's just it's just not needed. Um, it's gratuitous nudity for gratuitous nudity's sake, and uh, you know that's for me that I just I don't appreciate that. So. Um, I'm not a prude or anything. I just that's just my personality. I, I just didn't you know, didn't really work for me. So, um, and uh, I will say though, like you said, you know there there are some there are some good singers. There are some good jokes in here that you know lift up the rest of the film. Uh, and so I don't know. It's it's hard. I'm trying to been thinking about this all week. What do you think that, you know, if, if maybe if we're doing out of like five, you could do points, you know, point seven five, whatever. If you're going to do out of five, where do you think you'd place this movie? Uh, you know, I, I would go, I think I'd go with a three. Uh, it's, it's, it is fun. It's, it, it is like we've talked about. It's slightly empty. It's a little vapid, but it does enough different than what you're used to. Uh, and it kind of establishes itself, at least conceptually, uh, as something new. And uh, and I think it I think it does hit more than it misses, which is why I would give it a three instead of like a two and a half or something. Um, and you're gonna you're still gonna have fun going to watch this movie, I think, uh, especially if you're not bothered by lots of of uh, gore and a little more. Uh, nudity than is is necessary uh if you're not bothered by or and uh, also we should mention too it is rated r and there's lots of swearing as well i mean oodles and oodles yes there is a ton of swearing (laughs) again none of those three things bother me at all so uh but it's definitely i mean it earns its r (laughs) for sure and uh it doesn't try to pad anything so but you know it was uh i enjoyed it and i'm i'm actually excited for what it might lead to I'm I'm excited for the potential of the future with the with that franchise. And again, it's just a joy to watch someone like Ryan Reynolds revel in this role that he's wanted for so so long, and then and then just knock it out of the park. You know, uh, this for me, I think uh, people might you know uh, get on me. They'd be like, "Oh, you missed the point," or whatever. But you know, it just for me, this movie is uh, uh, Letterbox. Uh, we talked about that uh, last week um, that uh, Mike and I are on, and we always rate our movies. Um, I, you can do half stars, and I would give this 2.75, so I couldn't do that on there, so I gave it 3. But 2.75, because I feel like it's just better than 50%, but it's not quite really 60%. Um, it's more like a 55 to me, and that's because... You know, Ryan Reynolds is 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 fantastic in the role he's playing and in what he's doing. All of that credit given to him. Uh, the way the, they play with the music here works, but everything else is it's just there. There's it, it's not fulfilling for me to watch. You know, I, there and and um, you know, I I'm a I I don't enjoy personally just crassness for crassness sake. And uh, that's what I felt like with the movie, and I just came away more empty than I would want to when I go see a film, even if it's just for fun. You know, um, that's one of the things uh, that, um, you know, we talked about Austin Powers. Yeah, I, I, the original Austin Powers and, and the second one, both of those movies are hysterical and satirical and ridiculously uh, ridiculous parodies. But... Um, you know they're not taking it so over the top to where you're like, oh, that's way too far. And and just for me, it just Deadpool doesn't work as as much as it probably will for a lot of other people. You know, but you know what, Matthew? I think just to end on a positive note, we can both agree uh, this movie may be ten thousand times better than the last Fox Marvel f- movie that we reviewed, which of course was Fantastic Four. So. 
That is true. And sadly, that is true. That is that is pretty much how bad Fantastic Four is. The only thing in Fantastic Four that I can recommend is that I enjoyed the soundtrack. Other than that, that movie is <laughs> awful. So, yes, you are exactly right. And I'm glad, you know, I'm really glad that I got to sit around and talk about this with someone. And I'm, I'm going to be super interested to see what everybody else thinks on Twitter and on the Babel Conference and, and elsewhere. And I want to thank so much the associate producers here through Patreon who allow the 602 Club to come to you and all of the other shows on the Trek FM network. As you know, it's a huge year for us here being the 50th anniversary and Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson make sure that the 602 Club comes to you each week as being our associate producers through Patreon. Now, we're a listener-supported network, and, and that means that we definitely need your help to make sure that we keep this network coming to you. Our network is huge now. We have over 20 different shows on the network, special feeds, so much going on, and we can't do it alone. Um, the, the production costs are just too high. The download costs for people to actually get is too high. Go to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can be part of the team and make sure the content all keeps coming to you each and every week, each day of the week. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, Daniel, before we let you go from the 602 Club, and I want to say thanks to our audience. They've just been great this week. Uh, I really appreciate them being here. So, uh, yeah, sorry we didn't talk to you guys more, but we got in our own little world. I, you know how it is. Where can they find you on the network and online? Well, on the network, they can find me every week talking all things TNG, all good things, I should say, TNG, with my co-hosts, Darren and Philip. Uh, it's great fun, so check us out on Earl Grey uh, here on Trek FM. And then, for me personally, they can find me on Twitter, and my handle there is 1updan, that is the number one, not the word. It's almost like you guys are a family there. Oh, yes, we uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that's nice. It's, it's uh, goodness. Anyway, bad TNG joke. I'm sorry, guys. You can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, talking about Deep Space Nine here on the network. So if you like Deep Space Nine, make sure you check that out. I'm on Literary Checks with Dan. We're talking about the books and the comics of Star Trek. We also get the opportunity to interview a lot of the authors about the brand new books they had coming out. Talked to Dave R. George III already about his Deep Space Nine book. We've talked to Kirsten Beyer this year already about her latest Voyager book. We have so much more coming up for you here with the 50th anniversary and, and the books and the comics, so stick with us. I'm also doing a brand new podcast with my friend John Mills about Star Wars. We just sit around and talk about a brand new subject each week. It's a lot of fun. It's called Aggressive Negotiations. You can find us on iTunes under Aggressive Negotiations or we're on our own website at aggressivenegotiations.squarespace.com and we're also on Twitter under The Jedi Masters. So we hope you'll join me there as well. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Hey, 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 hey.